Hello, friend, and welcome to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the state of the divine flow as well as any questions I might receive from the human collective consciousness. Enjoy! For those of you that don't know, my book, my first book, is now out. It is called 72 Keys to Manifestation, or An Ancient Path of a Modern-Day Alchemist. It is a child of love, and this book is going to change your life. This book is about manifestation. I also wanted to let you know that I have charged it personally for anybody that purchases this book to literally set you up with the right frequencies for abundance. Literally, this book is going to be a true catalyst in your life. I'm not kidding you guys. There is real white magic that is working through this book. There is a barrier to entry that, you know, I as a being of light, I, I have my own guides that work with me. Um, they wanted to have a barrier to entry on the ancient knowledge that came through this book, right? Hence the price. But... But if you feel serious about unlocking your abundance, this is the book for you guys. I'm not kidding. It's going to work with your body, with your energy field on more levels than one. It is a multi-layered book. There are only a few books like that on the face of planet Earth today. It is quite rare. So if you want to check it out and if you want to really literally notice and see the big difference of, and having your life transform, highly recommend you get yourself a copy. Do yourself a favor. You'll thank me later, I promise. Hello, my dear ones, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with My Higher Self. Today's going to be fun. I hope your day is going great. Also, if it's not, no worries. It's going to get so much better because we are talking about minor chakras today. And what could be better than talking about minor chakras? I mean, come on, you guys. <laughs> Life doesn't get much better than this. I mean it. Um, there is, there's been so much talk about chakras. Um, I feel, I mean, I've, I believe I've done an episode on about pretty much every single chakra outside of maybe the root chakra, which is an opportunity for improvement. If I say so myself, I, I probably should make an episode about that one. But there is hardly ever talk about minor chakras. Now, I generally don't do um, a lot of work um, on individual humans, at least not yet. Um, I don't really work individually with people. But um, when I do look at either collective levels or sometimes when I do um, things for like a select circle of people, um, a lot of trauma, a lot of blockages actually exist within one of the so-called minor chakras. So I actually find that it is a big miss that this in the spiritual community, uh, most people don't talk about minor chakras. A lot of people are not even aware of the minor chakras. Now, thankfully, there is acupuncture and, you know, Eastern medicine. So for those practitioners, um, obviously, you know, the meridians take minor chakras into account all the way. Um, however, you know, if we look at Anything and everything outside of that, um, minor chakras are really overlooked. 
you know, that a lot of people know that there are seven major ones. You know, if you go deeper into certain teachings, you would find, you know, nine, nine chakra, 12 chakra systems, 18 chakra systems, etc. But they all are located on the same axis. So we're talking about expanding into the earth star chakra, uh, for instance, uh, below your feet, uh, or some higher chakras as well above your head. But it is essentially all um, movement of energy from top to bottom or from bottom to top, which is certainly one way to look at the universe. Uh, this certainly brings you closer potentially to your higher aspects or deeper aspects, depending how you want to look at it and depending on your movement. However, uh, this is not the full story. And yeah, I think you guys are ready for the full story. Now, some of the work that I'm going to be doing in the future is extremely connected to heart space, heart energies, uh, divine feminine. I think I may have mentioned it uh, a time or a dozen uh, in my prior episodes. However, some of this work needs a foundation. So if we are talking about, you know, the next lap and the evolutionary journey of humanity, uh, what is going to come front and center is that it is important to open up our hearts. By opening up our hearts, I mean tuning them into a broader range of frequencies. I mean being perceptive of everything that's going on. I mean people becoming more empathetic. Right now, an empath is almost like a disease or, I don't know, a special ability, depending on how you look at it. Um, the reason I say it's a disease, yes, it is a special ability, but trust me, if you have it, with everything that's going on, you're like, whoa, I wish maybe I didn't. Um, because you feel so deeply into the pain and, and the suffering of another that sometimes it, you, you quite literally feel like it's your own. Now, the energies are rising. And with that, whoever accepts those energies on planet Earth is going to be faced with a lot of their special abilities just opening up out of nowhere. And right now, they're thought of as special. Down the road, they may not be thought of as special. Now, again, will everybody open these things up? Absolutely not. However, enough of humanity may. So part of the journey to opening up your heart is realizing that energetically, your heart area is more than one chakra. And by the way, it's even more than two. You know, we talk about the lower heart and the higher heart a lot. Um, the higher heart is this pink energy. The lower heart is this emerald energy. And I think I've, you know, probably done and mentioned that in at least a few episodes. Now, in order for you to fully open your heart, just working with these two energies is not enough. You're going to have to expand from here. And that includes some of the minor chakras in order to complete the energetic movement, in order to be able to tune into higher frequencies, in order to be able to take on bigger challenges, challenges, you need to understand the concept of the minor chakras. I actually personally, personally, don't love that they're called minor. Let's, let's, let me put it out there. I don't think energetically anything is either minor or major from that perspective. I'll give you an example. One of the so-called minor chakras, if that is blocked, it can give you an ailment or a predicament that throws the rest of your energy game off. 
So if that is the power of one minor chakra, how minor can it be? I guess the point I'm trying to make is nothing in the ecosystem is minor. In the same way that an ant is not minor compared to a fish or a tree, right? Each part of the ecosystem influences the whole. So we cannot just say something is minor versus major. However, the reason I decided to, you know, use this terminology is because this is what is being used on planet Earth today. And I think we have to take it one step at a time, you know, first dive into what those are and then maybe choose to change the terminology. I think doing everything all in one go is going to create more confusion than than assistance. Okay, so let's see. We'll see how many um, of the minor chakras we can get through today. At the very minimum, um, we should talk about your shoulder chakras. You have two, obviously. One in your right shoulder, one in your left shoulder. We should talk about your elbow chakras. And we should talk about the chakras in the palms of your hands. These are the, the, absolute, the absolute minimum what we... Um, should be talking about. Um, if if there is time towards the end of this, I personally would love to talk about your knee chakras and the chakras of the soles of your feet. I think those are quite important. Now, before we get started, uh, let me maybe finish my thoughts around, you know, activating a heart space. So, you know, I, I, I tend to go deep into things, but um, I'm trying to see how deep we, we can take this one today, uh, playing it by ear also. So you guys all know uh, that Jesus died on the cross. Um, I know, I know you didn't expect me to go here. Huh? Um, I'm getting like a whiff uh, from the collective, like, wait, 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 we thought we we're talking about chakras here. What? <laughs> okay, the reason that I'm going into Jesus' um, story, uh, and we, by the way, we're not going to go too deeply into that story, at least not in this episode. Um, you do remember, right, that the whole point of crucifixion, not the point, the point of crucifixion is uh, was really to murder someone, to kill someone. But if you think about the position of the body that is being nailed to the cross, uh, it is... The position of the cross, right? Essentially, your arms are outstretched. And then your body resembles the cross. Now, please bear with me with this analogy. You know, we're not trying to go morbid here. But what I would like for you to know is that there is nothing random. Nothing in the universe is a coincidence. So the fact that Jesus chose crucifixion as a mode of his dying is not a coincidence. It is very much a very well-planned synchronicity and a symbol. The symbol, by the way, is not bearing a cross or carrying a cross or being a martyr, as much as the system would want us to believe that. That is not the symbol of the cross. But again, it is very important for the beings that are trying to control humanity to take the symbol of the cross and twist it in a way that serves their agenda. The original symbol of the cross, the symbol of the cross that it stands According to the laws of the universe, it is one of the most sacred geometric shapes that spans worlds, galaxies, universes, you guys. The symbol of the cross is extremely ancient. 
and it is one of the core principles of how the energy moves, including within the matrix. So obviously within the cross, you have your vertical line and you have your horizontal line. Generally speaking, the vertical line symbolizes ascension. Ascension at soul level, or just let's, let's think of it, maybe ascension is too lofty of a word. Let's think of it as the evolution or constant expansion. We go through that at soul level. We have to evolve and expand at soul level. And we go through that as we pass through incarnations, one after another after another, hopefully not repeating the same mistakes. You know, passing through a particular instance or particular circumstance and making a mistake and then repeating a similar circumstance and not making a mistake, according to cosmic law, is considered evolution, is considered progress. So the vertical part of the cross, the vertical line of the cross, resembles that evolution, going from the bottom of, the, of that vertical line to the top of the vertical line. And of course, you know, as above, so below, you know, if you look at the chakral system, right, of the vertical part of the chakral system, you're moving from denser energies, starting at the root chakra, to energies that are more ephemeral as you go up the ladder of the chakras, uh, culminating uh, at the crown center, the like the most quote-unquote spiritual of all chakras, the most high vibrational chakra, the chakra that represents oneness the most. Compar comparatively speaking, the root chakra represents separateness the most, or individuality, or if you want, ego, right? Although I don't like the word ego, because there's just so much baggage attached to the word ego on planet Earth that I don't even want to go there. So the vertical line of the cross, again, represents actually the masculine principle and movement and achievement in general. And again, please, as you're trying to process this information, um, try to tune into your higher centers of perception. Don't try to just internalize things as I say them in your mental body and with your intellect. Try to use your heart as well as your third eye to perceive what I'm, what I'm telling you about, right? Because you're in your brain, in your intellectual part, uh, in the, in, you know, inside of your intellect, you may wonder how come the vertical line of the cross is masculine. But if you tune into the wisdom of your heart, you would know that this is true. Now, there is a horizontal line on the cross, right? You guys remember the outstretched hands of Jesus, the symbol that he knew was going to survive him and is going to be the symbol that is literally worn, you know, on the necks, on the bodies of his followers, right? The cross. What is the symbology of that? The cross, you guys, is not a, like, is, is not a one axis, right? It has both. It has two polarities. And, and the horizontal axis, the horizontal axis was more the feminine principle. When both are activated, when both are activated within the body, you have equilibrium. You have a state of perfect balance. You have harmony. So in, in fact, Jesus died 
for harmony, for a balanced world. And that was the symbol. You know, despite the fact that the church would have us believe that there's only the male face of God and the Holy Trinity is all masculine, including the Holy Spirit is supposed to be masculine, Jesus, out of all people, knew the power of divine feminine. In fact, a lot of his initiations were done by the priestesses of Isis, female priestesses of Isis, that instructed him in the female first magic, using the, fem the feminine aspects of his body in order to achieve nirvana or what you want, samadhi, however you want to call that state of enlightenment, right? State of alignment with what is, including if that what is was going to be his crucifixion. He reached a state of alignment with that outcome, you know? So the horizontal axis contains a lot of the chakras that the world would have you believe are minor. So if you were to stretch out your arms, there are seven main chakras here on the horizontal axis. You have your higher heart or thymus right in the middle of, of right in the very center uh, of that line. You have two shoulder chakras, you have two elbow chakras, and you have two hand chakras. Seven. So there are seven on the horizontal, and then there are seven on the vertical. There you have it. Equilibrium. Right? Finally, we're getting somewhere. Okay. So, one thing that was completely erased from the narrative of Jesus was that he not only preached love, but he preached love through opening up the feminine potential within your own body, right? Jesus actually was extremely aware that he came into a masculine first world, the world that would claim that the Holy Trinity down the road, I mean, maybe not the world, but the church that would claim that God is all masculine. If you look at angels, archangels are all masculine. Everything is all masculine. <laughs> you know, he knew that that was the world that he was coming into. Right now, a lot of his initiations were actually done, like I said, through women and through the feminine facets of magic, including his mother and grandmother. And then later on, his, his wife, essentially, Mary Magdalene. Let's call it like it is. Right. Now, of course, the world would have us forget that Jesus had any female disciples. Like, not even dis female disciples are allowed to Jesus, let alone female teachers. That would be heresy of the highest, highest degree. Now, in order to not alienate anybody and offend anybody's beliefs, that is not what I'm trying to do here. I think we should just take the symbology, the symbolical meaning of the cross, and try to dig a little deeper, right, into more resources of our bodies. And look at, you know, what are some of the things that we are not using that exist right within our own bodies? What are these energy centers? Because they exist for something. You know, the universe 
source, absolute God consciousness, however you want to call that, does not make random decisions. So the fact that you have these energy centers within your body means something, right? So we already spoke about the fact that there, you know, there is a higher heart that you guys have. Um, <clears throat> thymus. Thymus is the gland that marks the location of your higher heart inside of your body. The energies of thymus are pink. Now, they have been, those frequencies have been coming down to planet Earth for the past, maybe about, a, a th they, they, they started descending on planet Earth about a thousand years ago. And it's it's been accelerating for the past 250 years. Like So the past 250 years is really the acceleration of those pink energies, the energies of the pink flame. Uh, I believe at one point we did an episode about uh, pink as a sacred flame. If you're curious to understand those energies better, uh, just re-listen to that old episode. It's really good. Okay, so that's the higher heart, right? As you open up that center, it is going to enable you to receive a new flavor of cosmic energies that were not available to you before. This flavor, like I said, is pink, but it is also a very beautiful healing energy. This energy is, the way I would describe it is heal and cleanse through love is kind of its mission, its motto. So this energy, once it gets inside of your body and once enough of that energy is accumulated, you, you almost want to imagine that there's like a cup inside of your chest area that has this, like that is able to only receive this kind of energy. And over time, as you open up this energy center more and more, that cup is going to become more and more full with this beautiful pink energy. Once that cup starts overflowing, your body is going to go through a reset. So one of the things I haven't told you in this particular episode, I may have hinted at it in the past, is that if your body is a cross, right, or energy body, uh, one, one of its renditions, one of the ways to look at it is a cross, right? With vertical and horizontal axis, there is a point zero where those two meet, Inside of this point zero, or this point zero is your higher heart, right? What is the beauty of point zero? The whole magic of this point is that it is wired and designed in order to be able to zero out your energies. And, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing, especially on planet Earth. Planet Earth is not a very high vibrational planet. When you start accumulating enough of this beautiful pink energy of the higher heart and it starts to spill over from the chalice um, that lives inside of your chest area, that pink energy starts being distributed throughout your body. And so what happens quite organically is it starts removing blocks. It gets straight into trauma that is stored in your body and it starts working through it. And the, the way it happens is it kind of engulfs it. And generally, when there is trauma, you may almost imagine that that energy is negatively charged, right? So in order to bring it into a state that is workable or productive or useful for you, you first need to bring it into zero, 
before it can become positive or charged towards something good. And that is precisely what your higher heart does, right? So that is the center of that axis. In the same way that your emerald heart, that is located about two inches below your higher heart, in the same way that that is the center of your vertical axis, meaning it's the bridge, right, between the upper and the lower chakras, the higher heart is the bridge between the left side and the right side of your body. Now, I mentioned that the vertical, sorry, the, the horizontal line of your chakras is the feminine principle. And that is very much true. But there is more to it. This line, the horizontal line, is essentially when you are placed within a dimension, your personal power is also horizontal. It's not just vertical. So very often, these the, the horizontal line, and you may move it around, by the way, right? We're living in a spatial world. Everything is 3D. We're not 2D humans living on flat pieces of paper. So you could stretch your arms out, or you can like, I don't know, put one arm in front of you and the other one behind you, right? So essentially, you're starting to navigate this time-space reality. So this horizontal line represents time, past, present, and future, right? With present being right in the very center. That is your thymus gland. And then generally speaking, your left side is your past. The right side is your future. That's generally speaking, right? Or if you're looking towards the back, that is your past and the front is your future. I'm just trying to show you how to orient yourself using your body, you know? There are all of these things that are built into your body that you have no idea about. So we're softly starting to unveil those. So you can finally start using your vehicle um, appropriately and with intention. Okay, so that's a high heart. And then you have essentially two uh, like pairs of the other three chakras, right? Now, I will, you know, each chakra could be an episode in its own right. So as I'm telling you what each chakra is about, I urge you to feel into it more so than trying to in intellectualize it, if that makes sense. Again, or with energy work, just putting the two and two together logically doesn't always get you there. You need to feel what each chakra represents. And like everything, each chakra is actually quite layered. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but with a lot of chakras, um, especially because, I mean, we're talking the chakras in the upper body, right? The chakras in the upper body, A, become more individualized, but B, they also become a little bit more complex. So, you know, each of the chakras may be responsible for quite a few things. So why don't we start with exploring your shoulder chakras? And I will tell you what they're responsible for. And another thing that I will tell you also is what I'm noticing in humanity. Partially as I'm scanning the collective, you know, what is here. Our shoulders. Um, the, the sho One of the ways to think about the shoulder chakra is this is our center of responsibility. Uh, this is our center of knowing our worth also. 
This is our center of understanding our power. It's quite different, actually, from the Manipura center, from your solar plexus. Because your solar plexus is the actual power. But the understanding of that power is in your shoulders. When I say shoulders, I mean chakras, you know, um, I don't know if some of you are wondering, is it in the front of my shoulder or in the back of my shoulder? It's actually both because chakras actually penetrate your body in a way that a portion of the chakra is visible if you are looking at the front of somebody's body and then the backside of the chakra is visible in the backside of somebody's body. So the answer is it's both. Uh, and it's literally in your shoulder area. Um, kind of like, yeah, um, I mean, you, can, you can't get it wrong. Now, the reason... So a lot of people, a lot of people have back pains. Having back pain is actually one of the most common, like, chronic pains that people have. Perhaps not the most common, but it's just, like, top five for sure. Part of the reason is shoulder, shoulder um, chakras. So when you have... A disharmonious relationship with responsibility. You inevitably are going to manifest certain pain in your shoulder area. Shoulders are extremely connected to the rest of our skeleton. Duh, I mean, everything is interconnected in, the, in our system. But specifically, shoulder pain is going to get you both the neck pain and the back pain. And you may try to heal that and treat that all you want. But unless you go into your shoulder areas, which is very often the root cause, you may not be able to hear, to hear, to heal either your shoulder pain, sorry, 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 your neck pain or your back pain. Now, the reason I say it's a center of responsibility, I want you to imagine that each and every one of you is carrying a proverbial backpack. The backpack is a very, very good analogy of responsibility. And now answer the question, what part of your body bears the weight of the heavy backpack the most? And the answer is, it's your shoulders. The number one thing that that backpack impacts is your shoulders. Yes, the neck as well. Yes, the back as well, but your shoulders. So very often, when you put too much on in terms of responsibility, or actually, or actually, when you don't put enough, right? When you're supposed to carry all of this responsibility, but you're resisting responsibility, you're going to manifest pain in this beautiful energy center of yours. Um, it's, it's a different kind of pain, right? For those people that are experiencing a heavy backpack, that pain is going to start in the shoulders. And then it's actually, then I want you to imagine a downward triangle. It generally culminates in your tailbone. So if, if you have like pain in the lower back, very often, not maybe not 100% of the time, but very often, whatever you're carrying, the load that you're carrying is too heavy for you. You're not meant to carry this much. But you're, again, you're treating the symptom if you're treating the back. You're not treating the cause. And the cause is your relationship with responsibility. Let me maybe, maybe shed some light on like what I mean by responsibility. 
people who have a little bit or a lot of a control mentality. All of you control freaks have an issue with responsibility. I know, maybe you didn't see it coming, but it's true. Here's why. It is not your responsibility to control everything around you. The people, the circumstances, I don't know, your boss, your parents, you can't control it all. You can't control the world. There's always going to be macro factors out there. There's always going to be something happening in the world. Something that's not pretty, something that's really ugly, and something that you wish did not happen. That's just the fact of life. So for all of you control freaks out there, the reason your control freakiness, pardon my French, lives in the shoulder space area is because it is the same, it's another side of the coin of responsibility. When you're trying to control things, you feel personally responsible for them on some level. But again, it is, there are things that are completely outside of your control. So you would want to, you would want to. If you want to heal this pain in the lower back, right? You would want to shed the layers of the heaviness that you are carrying on. You're going to really have to remove the backpack that you're carrying. And you're going to have to keep removing it until it comes off. I mean it. Like you may need to do this exercise more than one. You may need to, you may want to destroy that, right? Uh, The load. And then you may even want to cut cords with all the things you feel personally responsible for. I'll give you a quick example. Some parents, or a lot of parents, most parents actually, feel a lot of responsibility for their children. And because of that, they start becoming controlling in in some ways. Or to, um, I don't want to say tyrannical, but it's kind of like my way or the highway, right? It comes from a a sense of responsibility. But it turns into inflexibility. Where children are caged within the expectations of their parents. Down to, you know, what they want to do with their free time. Which which children are appropriate for them to hang out and, and not hang out with. You know, what, and down the road as children grow up, parents don't let go and don't relinquish that control. They hold on to that control. It's like, okay, like this is going to be your career because I said so. You're going to have to go into accounting because, you know, you can make money that way. You cannot go into art, blah, 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 all of those things, right? So the controllingness, controllingness, I know it's not a word, but that need that you have to control your children, realize that controlling anyone is not your responsibility. The only thing you owe to your children is your love. And that's where things get really fuzzy. A lot of people mix up care with controlling behavior. They think, oh no, you know, I do this because I care about you. Or I, you know, I do that because you're my responsibility. Understand that to love someone is first and foremost to understand that they have free will and that free will is meant to be exercised. To love someone is to understand that they have a path of their own. 
to love someone is to enable them to be free to make whatever choices that have to be made. That is why if you feel like you are the one experiencing and expressing these clingy behaviors or, you know, being overly caring, overly protective of your children, overly demanding of your children, actually demanding is just another way of controlling. Meaning, if you set expectations from your child saying, hey, you need to get great, I don't know, you need to get all A's. If you don't get an A, you know, that's not a great result. Or I expect you to succeed in sports. Or I expect you to be married by a certain age. Or I expect you to, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Provide for my retirement. Whatever those expectations are, understand that they are not a form of love language. Expectations is not a love language. Last time I checked, right? So brush up on your love languages instead, right? Now, I understand you may have been born into controlling families, and, you know, you're, you don't have a template to aspire to, to live into that is not controlling and loving. And then there is this big fear in the collective of if I spoil my child too much, they're not grow, you know, they're not going to grow up a nice person. And I tell you that there is a big difference between spoiling someone and controlling every little thing that they do. Right? So you're controlling this. Again, not just children. Every time you're trying to control the circumstances, the weather, your friends, your family, this all is going to weaken your shoulders. And, um, okay, so this is your center for responsibility. This is your center of self-acceptance as well. Self-acceptance and the understanding of your power. What is self-acceptance? Self-acceptance and self-love are one and the same thing, right? And that's why we start coming full circle a little bit, right? Because a lot of, all actually, all of these um, chakras on the horizontal line of your body are meant to help open your heart. So there's going to be something, a little bit of something about each of these chakras that ho helps open up your chest area, the constrictions of your chest area. So this, there is a lot of rigidity that people hold in their shoulder space because they are uncomfortable or unhappy with certain aspects of themselves. Why do you think people hunch over? It's because their shoulder area is not able to bear the grunt of either a responsibility or the lack of self-acceptance. And it is something that adds over time, right? So that's why there are a lot of people hunched over uh, when they are uh, older, when they get older. And don't, don't get me started. I mean, don't start me on like muscle strength. You lose muscle, muscle strength in a lot of areas of your body when you're older. But you're hunched over in a particular place, right? Because... By not being self-accepting or self-loving, every day that you're not self-accepting or self-loving, every day that you're controlling towards yourself, again, that's where we go to control here, right? Because again, in this particular instance, as, as it relates to this particular chakra, there is a spectrum. And the spectrum ranges between loving something on the one end of the spectrum and controlling something on the other end of the spectrum. 
And that applies to everything and anything. Essentially, you're maneuvering between, as, as far as your relationship with yourself is concerned, between controlling yourself and trying to make yourself into something that you're not, as opposed to, or versus loving yourself. You know, that's another polarity that's available to you. People that love themselves the most, or people that love themselves, that have a healthier relationship with their own self-concept, with their feeling of self-worth, often have very strong shoulders, and they generally have... Um, you, 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 they they have very very good alignment of their spine. You know you, you could tell that. Um, you know they're essentially the opposite of hunched over. I'm blanking on the on the word right now. Doesn't doesn't really matter as long as you catch my drift. We're all good. So one of the things about minor chakras in general, that's true about every single chakra that we're going to talk about, is this because it kind of is largely in your subconscious. It tends to be the dumping ground and an area of your body that does not get cleaned up very well. It's kind of like the attic that the family has in their house, but they forget that they have it. And so nobody's been in the attic for like 300 years. You can imagine, may not be pretty once you enter that attic and the stuff you may find there. So I actually strongly recommend that you do the spring cleaning of both of these energy centers. I mean the left and the right, right? And spring cleaning is exactly what it feels like. You would, almost like in a meditative state, you would imagine that you're small and you can essentially just open the door. Like first first you shrink yourself (laughs) and then you open the door to that energy center of yours and essentially enter the area of your shoulder and then walk around there and start cleaning. Watch whatever you find there. There could be clues, but you want to, You know, make sure that all of the windows are squeaky clean, all of the floors, there's no garbage, there's no trash. The the amount of stuff you can find in in those centers can be a lot. Now, this is one way to clear and clean the center. Another way is to simply send massive amounts of white light at hyperspeeds into that center. It's almost like, you know, when um, if you shake up a champagne bottle and then you like open it, the pressure inside could completely... Um, like, like when you open it, um, the cork, there's even a sound because of the pressure. If you use high pressure white light, essentially it would feel like a bottle of champagne that has been under pressure and somebody has been shaking and then it's just like burst, right? So that's the amount of pressure of white light that you need in order to, um, clean all the debris that exists in, in those centers. Generally you would start with your left side and then you would do the same with your right side. Now, sometimes not very, you know, not sometimes, but very often, <laughs> um, stuff that you would carry in your own shoulders is not even your own stuff. The left shoulder could be the side that you, the part that you inherited from your mom's lineage. So whatever control issues she's had, whatever self-concept issues that she's had may give you a pain in your left shoulder. On the right shoulder is your dad's side. Same thing over there. Dad's side, him himself, his parents, his lineage, you know, it could manifest as pain. Any any blockages there may manifest as pain in your uh, shoulder area. All right, moving on. Why don't we move to the elbows? So elbows are beautiful. This is our center of flow. Do you guys love it? 
do you guys love that it's the center of flow do you guys even have an idea <laughs> i'm like um i i love the concept of flow being in the flow it's like just such a pop concept it's it's a beyond trending right everybody's like just be in the flow and surrender to the flow especially in spiritual circles um now of course i'm sure to the folks that are not in spiritual circles this just sounds like woo woo talk now your elbow chakras are your center of flow what does this mean um this is your center of flexibility um this is your center of maneuvering in the waters of the large cosmic ocean of life and being able to adjust. That's why I think that another way to think about this center is your chameleon powers. You know, how well do you adjust goes here. Um, how much you accept your feminine power goes here. By the way, for both men and women, it doesn't really matter. Feminine power, goddess power, creatrix power, all of it goes here. So do you accept you know, the feminine side of your power, just the masculine side of your power, right? So there you have it in, in your shoulders. So your relationship with the Divine Mother also would very much make itself manifest um, in this, in the center. Um, your, sen your ability to easily shift direction right? So your ability to think on the spot or feel on the spot, your intuitive actually decision making partially lives in the center, because it is incredibly connected to the element of water. So your elbows are essentially water. Uh, when you touch the inner side of your elbow, you activate the water element in your body. This is really important for someone who does not have enough water in their body and for instance has too much fire all of you people with anxiety you have an overabundance of the element of fire very often people who are very prone to fears um, have an overabundance of fire because fear is the low vibration of fire energies if you have that and if you're trying to get in the flow quickly what i recommend you do is you may take and you can do it with one one of your elbows. It doesn't have to be two. Um, in this particular case, we can do it with the left elbow. You would take two fingers, uh, you know, two fingers that are most comfortable uh, for yourself. And you would place two fingers of your right hand on the elbow of your left hand. On the inner side of the elbow. And then what you want to do... Uh, sorry, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> it's working so well that I'm, I'm like, um, I'm, I'm starting to become a little bit spaced out, just so you know. Uh, so here's what I'm trying to say. I'm going to stop it for a quick second. If you place the two fingers, or you, you may put the, you know, the palm of your right hand on your left elbow, and you really feel into the softness of your inner elbow, there are arteries there. So you would want to like lightly press into those arteries, not all the way, but lightly. And you want to stay there for 10 breaths, you know, in and out, 10 breaths. It is really one of the better calming techniques. It like slows you down. It slows your heart rate even, right? Because again, it connects you to that flow energy, to the water, right? All of a sudden, 
you have activated the flow of water inside of your own body. And so it started circulating inside of your own body. And so now it starts to even out the fire within, right? So if you need a quick um, calming technique, this is a really good one. Right. So again, your ability to connect to the flow, your ability to just receive things and for things to come your way are vastly dependent on whether the center is blocked or not. So I highly recommend that you guys do a spring cleaning on this one as well. You can use any of the techniques, either of the techniques that we discussed earlier when we were talking about your shoulders, right? This is also one of the centers that is responsible for your abundance. Again, I want you to imagine that the energy of the elbow center is like the river. Whatever river you're imagining, Amazon, the Nile, your local river, doesn't really matter. The river historically, as well as symbolically, has always represented abundance of all kind. Material, spiritual, abundance of health, abundance of great relationships, you name it, it's there. So it is your abundance center as well. If you want to energetically cultivate abundance, right, you want to expand these energy centers. You want to expand your elbow center. So first things first, you want to clean them up, right? Because if the energy center is not clean, it ain't going to work properly for you. No matter how many exercises you do about like charging them or what have you, right? So first things first is you clean them. Second is I want you to imagine that your elbow centers are surrounded by a sphere of light. And that sphere of light is starting to expand. And as it's starting to expand, I want you to imagine that it's filled with this beautiful diamond desk energy. So it looks like a diamond, it glimmers, um, glows like a diamond, sparkles. And you want to imagine that whatever that small sphere was at first, you want to double it in size, triple it in size, 10 exit in size. And then you want to make sure that the energy that's meant to accumulate there, this beautiful diamond desk energy, gleaming, glittery, sparkly, is starting to become accumulated in the centers, right? And so, you know, prior to going to bed, for instance, you can be like, hey, I just want my energy of abundance to accumulate in my elbows area, in the area of my elbows, you know, and then, and then just go to, go to sleep and then it'll happen. Now, once you have a lot of the energy of abundance, it's going to start being distributed throughout your body, right? And then... Is it going to start because then essentially you become abundance and like attracts like, right? So this is one of the quick tricks, you know, is it in and of itself going to completely, you know, help you manifest $3 billion? Probably not, but this is a start. This is definitely a start. Again, um, what do I see here? Actually, what do I see with humanity? A lot of the people have the center completely blocked like a cork. Imagine like going back to my example with a champagne bottle. It's just corked. So no water is flowing there. No river is, is there, right? So that is a pretty big miss <laughs> as it relates to abundance. I mean, are you guys surprised why most people are not abundant on this planet right now? Their centers of abundance are blocked. Boo-hoo. So um, you definitely want to uncork your own centers. And make sure that the energy of water is running supreme in both of your elbows. You would generally have, one of your elbows is going to have a higher propensity for assembling, uh, no, not assembling, accumulating the energies of abundance. That would depend on your lineage. Generally, one of your lineages 
just historically has been better with, you know, the energies of abundance. You may even be able to diagnose this initially when you are uncorking your elbows, right? Again, the right side represents your masculine, your dad's side. The left represents your feminine and your mom's side. You, you know, as you're starting to imagine each of these centers as a sphere of light, whatever is the bigger sphere is the lineage that represents the most abundance historically, right? Like throughout generations. So if you already have a lineage that does better with abundance, that is probably the one that you want to work with when you're trying to expand it. Because it's always easy to amplify, easier to amplify the energies that are already working as opposed to try to balance out the energies that are not. Okay, now moving on to palms. Okay, these ones are kind of obvious though, right? Everybody, like every healer, every Reiki practitioner always works with their hands. Let me maybe provide my perspective on how I see this energy center uh, because there's actually a lot that's been written on the power of the hands. Very often, your hands are your great accumulators. So these chakras accumulate your energy and the energy from the outside world as well. So these are really beautiful energy centers to work with if you want to accumulate any kind of energy. So um, your palms are actually your centers of receptivity and as well as, uh, as your centers of transmission. So they are the easiest, one of the easiest centers for you to absorb, absorb certain kind of kinds of energies as well as um, transmit certain kind, kinds of energies. Okay, so um, the hands. Another way to look about or think about this chakra is this is on also the center of inspired action. Well, this is the center of your activity. Uh, very often, energetically, the hands would represent the things that we do in the physical. The things that we do and the things that we don't, don't do. The things that we're meant to do. Um, in other words, you know, we, we, I mean, we all come here with all kinds of different missions. Um, whether it's healing ourselves, healing others, teaching others, what have you. Very often, your hands will represent the sum total of all of those energies. The sum total of all of the things that you have done. Very often, it would amount to this particular incarnation. So this is not the karma of your past life. The karma of your past life lives in your throat center, in your Vishuddha area, in your in the throat chakra. We're talking about the activity, the sum total of activities for this life. That is very different. Um, now, uh, depending on your polarity, you know, one of your hands is the giving, the other of your hands is the receiving. So very often the giving is um, the right and the receiving is the left, but you could have it flipped. It doesn't really matter. So your receiving hand is always going to be, will tend to be the accumulation of all of the things that you've received in this incarnation. And your giving hand is going to be the accumulation of all the things that you've given in this incarnation. Very often, very often, when the tally is taken, once you, you know, leave the body, leave this incarnation, if you, if you kind of like think back to the scales or, you know, like that, that concept of like, 
Anubis, you know, the, the god Anubis from Egypt, like weighing the scales and like, okay, like, did you do well? Did you not do well? Uh, here, like the, the right hand and the left hand are going to be judged kind of like, you know, what did you give versus what did you receive? Very often you're looking for some sort of equilibrium. That's why it's actually really not good to undergive or overgive. Everything needs to be in equilibrium. That's why all of you light workers that are doing charity work, and by charity work, I mean either massively undercharging for your services or not charging for your services because you're spiritual and all, you are not going to love, you know, being faced with, with the exercise of weighing the giving and receiving because overgiving actually depletes your resource. And not only that, but it creates karma, karmic nods for all the people that take from you that don't pay you back. That's actually dangerous for you and for them. Because as a light worker, you never want to be the source of increasing somebody's karma. So do yourself a favor and do the universe a favor and don't overgive and, you know, charge for your services what those services are worth, right? And again, if you were to fix your personal, uh, if you started with your shoulder center and fixed your self-concept and sense of self-worth, then you probably would be billing. You would be charging for your services accordingly, right? So again, um, make sure you're not overgiving or undergiving. I think that it's very important actually to make sure as we're working with our hands area, areas, our hands chakras, to zero out the energies, right? That live in the in the hands. So you may start working with the left one first, you know, and you would imagine that it almost like has a container of all of the things that it has accumulated over the years, right? In this particular instance, all the things that have been received over the years. And you want to do, um, you want to cleanse, cleanse it because sometimes you have been receiving things that are suboptimal. The problem with like attracts like is if the universe has been giving you a lot of suboptimal things and you have received it and you have accepted it, the universe is going to keep giving you suboptimal things because you settled and settling for something means yes, you want those energies. So just be careful. So what you want to do is you want to imagine that the left palm of your hand is essentially um, starting to receive a stream of white energy. And the stream is moving in a spiral. So it's almost like you want to imagine that there's a spiral of white light that's entering into your left palm. And you want to imagine it and see it penetrate your arm. And then so essentially it would like, um, first it would rotate clockwise and then penetrates your arm. And then it rotates counterclockwise and it goes um, outside of, you know, your, 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 not the arm, the hand, sorry. It goes out of your hand. And so it's essentially the spiral going in and out of your hand, kind of like dipping into the hand and then going up, dipping into the hand and going up. And as this happens, the balance of whatever you have been receiving is restored. Whether you have been receiving too much, if you haven't been receiving enough, if you haven't been receiving the right things, it's all going to even out and it's going to be zeroed out and all of the imperfections, impurities, everything is going to be removed thanks to the energy of the spiral. And then you want to do the same thing with your right hand, which is your giving, and do the same thing. Imagine there is a spiral of white light that's cleansing everything that you've ever given, intentionally or unintentionally, right? 
Our energy is something that we give. Our words, our intentions, our thoughts, our feelings, we, we give all of this, right? We emit it. When we emit something, we give it, essentially, whether we realize it or not, right? Now, you may have been giving suboptimal things. It may come in many shapes and forms and sizes. When you have gossiped about someone, uh, it, it's you've been giving the universe the energy of gossip, which is not a great, great energy. If you, I don't know, if you have spoken um, badly about yourself, same thing, right? It's like gossiping about yourself. Like anything that you may have given to the world that could have been in any way, shape or form suboptimal, you definitely want to make sure that you're clearing this out of your chakra. Because if this is your center of action, you want to make sure that you could start from a really, really good place, right? Again, because this tally, the tally of your action is really going to matter when, when you start evaluating how you lived a particular life. Now, these are also great centers for energy accumulation. They're also quite diverse in nature. In other words, you can accumulate any type of energy within the palms of your hands. So um, if you're you know, looking to accumulate a particular energy, whether that's healing energy, whether that's the energy of the sun, you know, whether that's the energy of the moon, it's very good and it's recommended to put your palms up, right? And in a gesture of surrender or acceptance, right? And that is the way that you would want to fill these chakras up. Now, it is very important for you to activate the seven chakras as an entity in and of themselves. Now that you've learned about all seven, at least a little bit, now that you've gotten the quick overview, I would want you to imagine that you're doing this little breath exercise, but you know, very often when, uh, when people start working with the chakral system, the one that's the, the, the normal, the vertical chakral system, they would imagine either like white light traveling from, from, you know, the lowest of their chakras to the highest or the highest of the lowest. Essentially, we're going to do the same exact thing, but we're going to move the energy from left to right and from right to left essentially clearing the pathway. Because if you're just opening the centers, your energy is not used to moving this way. And it is actually paramount for us. It's mission critical for us to start getting the energy used to moving in the way, in this, in this way. So essentially we're creating a pathway or we're building a highway, a horizontal highway that is an absolute must if you're looking to balance your energies. So I want you to imagine, you know, you can do this in your mind's eye. You can actually stretch out your arms if that feels better for you. And we're going to start in the heart, in the higher heart around the thymus area, right? And you would want to breathe in really, really deeply. So you would want to inhale. And then on the exhale, I want you to send the energy from your higher heart into the left arm so that it passes the shoulder, the elbow, and the hand, right? And it, it's, it settles into your hand, right? So you inhale into the heart, and then you exhale into the left arm with the energy culminate, culminating in your, in your left palm. And the energy, actually, you should be able to feel it. It's like a bowl of energy. 
and you can even hold it in your left arm, right? It has a weight to it. And now I want you to give that ball back on the, so like you start inhaling again. And on the exhale, I want you to give the ball back into the center of your body. And so we're centering again into the higher heart, into thymus area. Now, I want you to inhale again. And on the exhale, I want you to send the breath to your right arm, passing through all of the chakras, shoulder, elbow, and culminating in your right palm. Again, you should feel the heaviness here. That little bowl of energy is pretty heavy. And now I want you to breathe in really deeply. And on the out breath, send that ball of energy back into your heart space, higher heart space. And so I want you to play around with this horizontal movement of energy. It's going to feel a little strange first, but the more you do it, the more natural it's going to feel. And that is, again, that this is going to help you activate more of your power. It's going to help you be more in harmony and balance with yourself and the outside universe. It's going to start reawakening more of your femininity, more of the hidden feminine resources of your body that you didn't even know were real or that you didn't even know existed. Now, um, why don't we move really quickly to the knees? So the knees are all about those energy centers are all about how empowered you are to move towards your goals, towards your mission, towards something that you want, as well as what else kind of lives in the knee is your relationship with your own personal timeline. So your own personal timeline is essentially your perception of how fast or or slow things happen in your personal world. There are some people that always think life is too slow. There are some people that always think, oh my God, life's too fast. And those are the two polarities and they all live in the knees. Quick example. Do you know these people that feel like, or they say like, oh, as you get older, time really accelerates and everything is just so fast. And I just keep celebrating my birthdays and getting old already. And like, it's like every year, um, that follows feels shorter than the year prior. By the way, if that happens, chances are you're either not learning enough new things or not doing enough new things. That means that your life is an autopilot. Because when your life is an autopilot, your brain doesn't register the things that you do on autopilot as time going by. Your brain is essentially kind of like chilling, right? So time flows differently when you're doing things on autopilot as opposed to your learning. So if you're feeling like time is accelerated, you need to get out more. You need to expose yourself to new things, maybe travel. Challenge yourself to do something like learn a language. I don't know, learn to dance, whatever, whatever, get a skill that you don't have. And then you would watch and notice time slow down. And then you have the opposite side of the spectrum for people that are like, everything is so slow. And you have a few people that are in the everything is so slow camp. There are the impatient ones that always want things yesterday and like love instant gratification. And then there are the bored ones. 
The one's just like, oh, everything's just so slow. I can't believe it's 3 p.m. already. I'm so bored. So these are the bored ones. The bored ones need to get themselves excited about life again, which probably means a whole slew of reconnecting to their higher self and trying to understand what the heck the higher self wants them to do, right? If you are the impatient one, I will tell you, you're going to have to heal partially the control in your shoulder area because controlling anything, including the timeline, pushing it because things are too slow, is not being in the flow, is resisting the flow. And that's why things for you are going to move even slower the more you try to push the universe to be faster for you. Just saying, right? Very often, people who have big sacred contracts around planetary work are going to have pain in their knees, especially if they're not yet fully on the path or if their own perception is that they're not moving fast enough or not producing results fast enough, somehow not covering enough ground. So just be mindful that if you feel like you're the light worker with like a big mission and somehow you feel inadequate, that probably lives in your knees. And if your knees are not hurting yet, they will. So I recommend that you do massive clearing of your knees with pressurized light, right? So you want to imagine light traveling under, you know, at hyperspeeds. So essentially just like speed of light, right? Through your kneecap, from the front side of your body to the back side of your body, and then the opposite way. So kind of like in and out again. And then you want to imagine a swirling motion, like a swirling motion, almost like, again, a spiral in your kneecap, clockwise direction and counterclockwise direction. And as you're imagining it, like the white light, imagining that it's healing and removing any of the blockages that should not be in your knees so that you can finally be on your path, so that you should, so that you can stop judging yourself on the world for moving too slow or too fast or not being adequate enough. Right? So that you can finally come to terms and make peace with your own personal timeline. And so you can feel good about the moves that you're making. Right? Be in alignment with the moves that you're making. Know that everything is a perfect timing. Know that everything unfolds exactly how it is supposed to unfold. And you, it cannot unfold any faster. So there is no point. And pressuring it too. And last but not least, let's talk really quickly about the soles of your feet, which is again, these are the ones that, you know, have been talked about quite a lot. But these are the chakras that you use to release things that have served you. Uh, but at this point, it's like energy that has been worked through and now just needs to be disposed. So any of the darkness, any anything that um, prevents your body from functioning at its top in its top capacity generally gets disposed off through the soles of your feet if the soles of your feet are tingling right now as i'm talking about this then that energy center is really activated in you if there are not then there is more work that could be done and also don't forget that the soles of our feet is also our connection to planet Earth, our connection to Gaia. And it, it is directly correlated how, in, in, how 
in tune these centers are, how open they are, is directly correlated to how much energy and support you are able to take from um, your home planet, from planet Earth, right? Again, if your feet are not buzzing right now, at least a little bit, chances are there's work to do, right? Here, uh, it may help, actually, for you to imagine that the soles of your feet are starting to grow roots, right? And they're taking you straight to what I call the heart of Gaia. The heart of Gaia is a crystal inside of planet Gaia. It's an emerald crystal. And I want you to imagine that the roots, your own personal roots, are hugging that crystal, swirling around it, twisting and turning, cupping that crystal, right? So that you're fully plugged into the energy of Mother Earth and so she can sustain you. And also, for some people, that process of illumination through the root system hasn't been activated yet. So if you, very often, you would either feel congested in your own body, or you would feel bloated, uh, or sometimes you would just feel like there's heaviness in your feet. Uh, or if you get tired easily, it could just be that the process of illumination is not working properly. So you want to imagine that it's almost like you want to imagine that the water uh, that you have inside of your body is starting to carry that kind of like it does the loop around your body and starting to carry everything that doesn't belong into your body towards the soles of your feet and eliminate straight into the ground. Just get rid of it straight into the ground so that you can stay in the most optimal pure energies. Right? And again, this is a process. This is something that should happen naturally for a lot of people. But for some people, it can be blocked. What are the reasons that the chakras can be blocked? If you don't trust this planet, if you don't feel like you can trust the earth, it can be, can be for many reasons. I don't know. For instance, if um, you're scared of nature, you know, if you're scared of walking barefoot, it could have created like some, some traumatic experience could have created your uh, distrust of planet Gaia. Another reason could be um, if you're not fully anchored in the, into this reality. This actually tends to happen with older souls that come here and they still kind of maintain a portion of like their memories or their feeling of how things are upstairs and how much nicer it is to not have to be in dense energies. And they don't fully, they didn't fully anchor in into this reality. So there is a little bit of the aspect of resistance. If you're not fully anchored into your body, your process of elimination cannot function properly it is impossible so you want to fully plant yourself here really like a tree or a plant and then you want to will that process of elimination to existence you want to jump start it with your words right so that was like a really really quick overview of just some of the minor chakras there's so many more um, I wanted to see if the collective has any questions for me, anything whatsoever. I don't know how many um, I'll take, but anything that serves a human collective, I'm here to receive as long as it relates to the topic of today. Um, the question that came through is, is it possible that only one of my foot chakras is congested? Absolutely. It is entirely possible. Um, do you remember how I told you that 
we all have you know the left side of of our bodies is our female side or feminine lineage and the right is our masculine it could be that the femininity within you for instance trusts the universe but the masculinity within you doesn't or it could be that the full lineage of your dad for instance was really grounded on planet earth but the full lineage of your mom i don't know maybe is of extraterrestrial origin they've had time and time again they ha- they've had trouble grounding in here right so absolutely um when you're working with two sides of your body it is highly unlikely that both sides are functioning equally well so you would have the favorite side so to say or the side that has less problems and the less favorite side that contains a lot of challenges so great question actually right not all chakras are created equal we're not going into lineage healing uh, but I've done an episode about ancestral healing um, and that may shed some light on how to work with your ancestors so that some of these cent- centers can, you know, n- quite naturally open open up for you. But yes, it is absolutely true. One thing I will tell you, right, as you're working with these energies, depending on your level of perception, especially if something is connected to your lineage, like certain blockages connected to your lineage, you may get intuitive hits about what it is. Your ancestors or your guides may show you what exactly is in the way as a memory or a pattern, like a past life. It could be like um, a set of images or a set of symbols, right? So take all of that in. You're not being showed that accidentally. It is all a part of your journey, your healing journey. Sometimes just flushing things with white light is not going to help. If you came here as a person that's meant to heal and help your lineage, sometimes your lineage would need you to to go deeper and not take any shortcuts. And if that is the case, they're going to take you deep. They're going to show you exactly what happens and you're going to have to help transform the pattern within your own body, through the means of your own body. So just wanted to put it out there. Hope that's helpful. Um, I'll take one more question from the collective. Anything you want to ask about the minor chakras? The main question is, how do we work with the minor chakras? Um, Because, you know, there is a lot that's been said about the major chakras. You know, how do we work with all these chakras that um, you've just described? Really grateful for this question. Thanks so much for asking. First and foremost, right? You may want to re-listen to this episode at some time in the future so that you could memorize certain things that the chakras are responsible for. So if if you feel like you have control issues, right? And if you feel like that accentuating again, you may choose to come back quite intentionally to certain chakras to work with those energy centers to work through some of your issues. Um, That's one, right? So being very intentional about which center you work with. Obviously, if you're a healer or a light worker, you always want to make sure that your palms and the soles of your feet are really, really activated and really, really clean. If you're working with a lot of people, because again, it's the giving and receiving. If you're the healer or if you're, you know, just working with people, whether, I don't know, you're an astrologer, I don't know, you're doing, even if you're a yoga teacher, right? Like a lot of people go through you um, as as a channel, as a conduit. You inevitably are going to absorb their energy. So it's important for you to do a spring cleaning of these two, these four centers actually, right? palms of your hands, soles of your feet. You would want to do the, the like you want to flush out all of the dirt and debris out of the centers at least once a week. Um, otherwise, 
you would just be carrying on all of, you know, not all of it, but chunks of the energy that are stuck, uh, specifically in these chakras, right? And they could over time clutter your channel so that your medicine is going to be less effective. Now, there are certain things that karmically you may want to choose to work with, like knees. I know it's, again, like for, for those people that have problems in the knees, chronic pain in the knees, it's like a lifelong journey, right? So if you're one of those, understanding the depth of the issue and working with that energy center until you feel better is paramount. But um, I actually think that the most important thing, if there's one takeaway, is working with your horizontal chakras, the seven on the horizontal axis with your breathing. Activating it is going to be one of the better things you can do for your future uh, because it would down the road help us really open up your heart space. It could really help with getting your body into a, an overall healthier state. Because again, you're jump-starting massive, massive feminine energies inside of your body. What does this mean? More healing energies, more intuition, more being in the flow, more abundance in your life, all of these great things. And they start with really working at activating your horizontal axis. How many times does it take? At least seven. For some of you, maybe more, right? And again, for something like that, I don't want this to be an afterthought. Um, in fact, one of the practices that you could adopt is doing the breathing of the cross. And the breathing of the cross is essentially always starting in the heart, right? Now imagine you would start, imagine that your lower heart and your higher heart, there is a center of equilibrium between them, where almost like they merge into one. And if you're trying to bring everything together, meaning your masculinity, your femininity, if you're trying to bring everything into equilibrium, this is what you need to do. You would start in your center and you would do a deep inhale. On the exhale, I would want you to send your breath into the head, into your head, through all of the chakras that are in the head so that that energy centers in your crown center. Then you would want to do a deep inhale and on the exhale, travel backwards to the heart. Then you want to inhale again on the exhale, travel to the left hand, inhale again, travel back to the heart. Inhale here. On the exhale, send the energies to the right hand. Then inhale again. On an exhale, send your energy back to the heart. And last but not least, inhale here. And on the exhale, send the energy down your chakras all the way down to your feet. So extend, extend your you know concept of chakras down to the feet. Send it into the earth, the center of the earth. And then inhale again. And on the exhale, bring it back into the heart space. And this is how you've just done the breathing of the cross, right? Bringing all of your energies into equilibrium. Generally speaking, even if you do this once a day or, you know, whenever you need alignment, 
this is good. This is going to bring you into a, like a lot more of a serene, peaceful place in life, right? Again, unity of everything, unity of polarities, the non-antagonistic state. But generally with a cross, three cycles of that breath is a golden standard if you're really trying to optimize uh, your state. All right, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sticking around, you guys. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope that you learned something new or remembered what you've known all along. And hopefully this was just a trigger for you to remember what you've, uh, you know, you, you've known, your soul knows, knows. And now you're ready to, you know, start putting this to practice, like everything with energy work. Knowing about it is one thing. Practicing is where it's at. That's where you reap most of the benefits. It has been an honor um, chatting with you today. I um, am sending you so much love. I'm giving you a virtual hug and I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please visit thisismaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A.com. We hope to see you in future episodes.